Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. It is a special Thursday edition of the podcast. We're going to talk Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl between Pitt and Michigan State. But first, Mac, hello. I'm so glad to see that you are here, that you have not been postponed or canceled. That is great news. I know canceled can mean something else. You're definitely not doing that. But Mac, it's so good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you as well. And we have a great game in front of us. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind to get here with all the news and notes, and we're going to jump into that. But Christmas was great. We already kind of rehashed that and, and got into it and just did a bowl game. That was so much fun. How about Houston just knocking off? the SEC, and doing a great job there. That game was packed. It was an awesome environment. Um, and, man, I'm just so happy to uh, to have been able to do that. And now we're here at the Peach Bowl, ACC Network, the huddle. Cannot wait to see this matchup. We're going to get into all the cancellations and all that's going on. But, Mac, tell me more. I know you've called a bowl game before. You did the Myrtle Beach Bowl, I believe, last year. This was a big one, Houston and Auburn, the only game on. Houston finds a way Tell us more about your experience calling that game. Yeah, it, it was really awesome. Uh, and, and what's crazy, just with COVID and all the rules and, and different situations that I've been you know, in with calling games, this was the, the first sellout that I got to do, which was just so much different. It was so cool. The environment was absolutely nuts. And then when you have two great brands, I mean, a top 20 team in the country in Houston that has really you know, had some ups and downs, but this year, just a tremendous year getting 12 wins. And then a big brand as, as Auburn and the following that they have being an hour away from Birmingham. It was essentially a home game, you know, for those guys. So it was awesome to be a part of. Uh, the stadium was fantastic. Brand new stadium um, right there in Birmingham that I believe we were the sixth college football game ever played in that stadium. So it was really beautiful. Those folks did an unbelievable job uh, just with all the, the little details that matter, like a, a massive Jumbotron, really cool hospitality areas. The concessions were really good. Um, and, and just all the boxes, the suite, all the ambiance of the game was really cool. That They did a great job uh, with that stadium and uh, just a fun game. I mean, to see Houston come out firing on all cylinders, march down the field, get an easy touchdown. And then the game just kind of stalled out and both defenses really got settled in, figured it out. Houston, one of the best defenses in the country. And then we saw what what Auburn can do when they're inspired. I mean, they they you know beat down Alabama offensively for uh, you know four quarters of football, and then overtime was played. Uh, so it, it was fun to see. And then you know somehow just Houston finding a way to uh, get in the end zone, seal the deal. It was such a fun game. Well, you did a great job, Mac. I heard that you did. I was on radio, but I had the game on, so it helps the Nielsen rating uh, when Mac's on. The ratings are up. And I just think it was really cool that you got to call that game, representing the pod on the Birmingham Bowl. I'm also just happy that the Birmingham Bowl was played, Mac, because we are having so many issues right now with ACC football games. The Military Bowl has been canceled due to COVID issues in the Boston College program. The Sun Bowl has been reconfigured. Miami has opted out of the Sun Bowl due to COVID issues. Central Michigan will now play Washington State in that game. We've seen what happens, what has happened with Rutgers jumping in to fill in with the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest, so at least Wake will have a game. 
We had the Fenway Bowl canceled due to issues in the Virginia program with COVID. They were supposed to play SMU. And then last night, we had the Holiday Bowl technically postponed due to COVID issues in the UCLA program. This was postponed four hours before kickoff. Mac, I'm trying to put myself in these NC State guys' shoes. You're the one who really can. I know you never had a bowl game postponed, but you were getting ready for a bowl game. Can you even imagine what it would be like to four hours before kickoff receive this news? Yeah, it's got to be devastating. I mean, to travel across the entire country, uh, to, to be one of the marquee bowl games of the season. I mean, this was my favorite ACC bowl game that I was looking forward to, to watching. Um, to not be able to spend Christmas with your family because you're in a hotel room getting ready, um, that, it's devastating. It sucks. I mean, I, can't, I truly can't imagine what that feels like for those young men, for that coaching staff, the support staff, all these people that have now made a sacrifice, and, and really it was beforehand, but it was for the greater good that now might be for nothing. And really the most disappointing part of it all, and, and this is all hearsay, and you know th- this is an ACC podcast, so we're going to take a, a North Carolina State stance, but it sounds like there was information that was not shared with all parties, that maybe right. UCLA knew something beforehand, earlier in the day, not four hours before. And so I think that's what is is very disappointing. In a world where communication, flexibility, um, awareness is key, it feels like they were kind of slighted. And it feels like they were a little bit lied to, I've heard from the coaching staff and, and some of the administration. So it, it, it's a terrible situation. I hope the Holiday Bowl can figure something out just to see NC State get to that 10th win because that's the other side of this story that these young men had the opportunity to rewrite history at NC State. Only the second team ever to get double-digit wins, and that opportunity was ripped away from them or, or might be. Um, and I, I just can't imagine it. The fact that you know this happened to baseball as well, a team that was potentially going to be playing for a national championship – so the, the fact that this has happened to the same athletic department, the same you know guys that interact with each other in two sporting teams for NC State, it's just brutal. And I, I can't imagine what the fans feel like that traveled out there, that spent all that money. Um, it, it, is, it is such a crappy situation at the end of the day and just goes to show that we're not quite there yet getting through this thing. All I'm asking from UCLA, and of course this is not, I'm not talking about the players. I'm sure the vast majority of the UCLA players wanted to play that game. All I'm asking from UCLA is basically if you're a high up person in administration, do your job. And on the other side, let the NC State people do their jobs. Like let all of these ADs earn their money. Let Boo Corrigan give him time to figure out a game plan, give him a heads up, let him figure out a plan B. The military bowl was just supposed to be played on Monday and it was canceled, what, Sunday. So if you give NC State a heads up saying, look, we're having some issues, they can at least start to get the wheels working and give the holiday bowl some time. Maybe we can move the game a couple days. The second UCLA cancels, we could possibly fly ECU out here. Whatever happens, happens, but Give them time. That's the thing I'll say about A&M. That's the positive. They opted out, but at least they gave the Gator Bowl and the ACC and Wake Forest time to figure out a solution. Give the other school time. That, and, and you don't have to opt out a couple days before, but at least say, look, we're struggling here. 
so that you can let these people get to work. It, it just stinks. And, and really, the, this new virus, the fact that it is so contagious, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not an epidemiologist, I just see what I see. <laughs> um, it, it really does. It, it stinks. It's a, it's a terrible situation and uh, just super unfortunate. I mean, a lot of money, a lot of time, mm-hmm. a lot of resources, uh, all for really nothing at the end of the day. We have five bowl games left that include ACC teams. We'll, of course, see what happens with NC State, but let's just hope those five get played. Virginia, Miami, Boston College, those, those teams aren't playing from what we know because they're the ones with the COVID issues. That's just not happening. NC State, maybe, and then you've got five other games. One of those games is the Peach Bowl, Mac, but before we talk about the Peach Bowl, Let's tell our listeners about our great friends over at Duke's Mayo. Come on, KG. Duke's Mayo has that little southern something that makes good things better. Duke's is delicious on sandwiches, in salads, and even the key baking ingredient in a bunch of great recipes. I know y'all just got done cooking unbelievable things for Christmas, for the holidays. We've got New Year's Eve, New Year's coming up. Get your Duke's, get your family recipes going on. It's thick, it's creamy texture. And guess what? It's been trusted since 1917. That's right. When Mrs. Eugenia Duke came up with her original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina, and they've been going strong for the past 100 plus years. Mac, when I was at my in-laws for Christmas, we had sandwiches for lunch a few times. Went in their fridge, found the Dukes. They already had Dukes mayo in there. It's not like I bought it for them. They had it, put it on a couple sandwiches over the holidays. So freaking delicious. So check out their all their different mayos and their regionally inspired Duke Southern sauces and mustards at dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors with that same twang. Come on, KG. Can I just tell you something that's very interesting? I was at the Birmingham Bowl and a tweet was sent by uh, yes. the Birmingham Bowl that said, like this, if we should dump barbecue sauce on the game-winning coach. Now, you cannot just throw that out into the universe and not deliver, which they did not. We copied the tweet and put it on air and totally made it aware that everyone is talking about this, that they are doing it, they're saying it, and they didn't deliver. So all I want to say is a lot of people try to replicate what the Duke's Mayo Bowl is going to be doing, but they can't imitate it. They can't. They can't do it. So there's a reason why one bowl is better than the other. Everyone wants to be the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but it's – you got to be all in. Like you have to be willing to be all in and make every single thing somehow about mayo. It's amazing what they do. And then you have to be willing to dunk the coaches with mayo. I'm very excited for that game. And if you missed our Duke's Mayo, we did an entire preview episode for that bowl. That was on Monday. Go listen to it. It's the episode right before this one. But Mac, it's time to get into the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Number 12, Pitt, 11-2 and two overall, taking on number 10, Michigan State, 10-2 and two overall. The game is today, 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Michigan State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is at 56. Pitt is trying to win 12 games, Mac. The last time Pitt won 12 games, 1976, when they won the National championship that was a long time ago and and i think really the biggest you know disappointing thing here is clearly kenny pickett's not playing kenneth walker's not playing for michigan state uh two just you know heisman trophy guys one a finalist one a semifinalist that you know you would have thought man there's a ton of juice there's a lot of excitement you have two really marquee players that would have been the headliners and, and the stamp on this game but 
you know, when you look at it, there's still a lot of talent, both of these teams. I mean, you don't win, you know, 12 games potentially because of one guy and certainly had a lot to do with it. But when you look at this pit team, I think that the defense is going to have to just play out of their mind. I think that we have seen flashes of brilliance from Pitt in the things that they have been able to do, but this has to be the Picasso. This has to be mm. the final piece of where you're just like, man, that was it. They pulled it all together. They were able to do it. Because, you know, Michigan State's hurting too. They're, they're missing one of their best players and, and a guy that they relied on heavily in a bunch of different situations to, to really get it going. So I think when you look at this team, Pitt's defense is, is going to be why they win. Pitt's defense is going to be the reason that they get good field position, extra opportunities, and, and they have to. Or, you know, I think this one could slip away. What's so fascinating about this game, Mac, is, yes, you don't have Pickett. You don't have Kenneth Walker. But what's even crazier is the backups at both of those positions, QB for Pitt, running back for Michigan State, have basically done nothing. Like, you wouldn't even call them backups. They're, they don't play. So you have that unknown on both sides. Nick Patty, the redshirt junior quarterback out of New Jersey, 6'3", 220. We're talking about him like he's a recruit because we literally don't know. How tall is he? What does he look like? We have no idea. And uh, Pat Narduzzi said on Packer and Durham that they have a lot of faith in Nick Patty. Well, that's great, but he really hasn't done anything. He has 14 passing attempts. This year, he was 5 of 5 for 58 yards and a touch and a rush touchdown against UMass, which is one of the worst teams in the country. And then the backup for Michigan State at running back, Jordan Simmons, he has 54 attempts on the season for 255 yards. You know, for reference, Kenneth Walker had 264 attempts. So it's, it's kind of like a Brees Hall situation with Clemson-Iowa State. You're losing the guy that did everything for you. And their second leading rusher is Peyton Thorne, the, uh, the quarterback. So... Not only are you missing Pickett and Walker, the dudes who are being thrown in there have literally not played at all. Can you imagine, Mac, in your first couple of years when you were a backup and then, of course, developed into an all-ACC player, but you were a backup in, in that Orange Bowl. They are just like, all right, go ahead, Mac, you're starting. It, that would have been a lot, right? Right. I mean, it's a little different when you know, you're at a position like quarterback, but certainly it's sure. something where you're like, oh, gosh, here we go. And especially with maybe a week and a half notice. Um, so it's something that's going to be fascinating to watch just to see, okay, how ready is ready. And, and now I think when you, you look at quarterbacks and, you know, I've had the privilege of going to a couple of practices throughout the ACC and just seeing, you know, how folks do things. Um, but when you're going ones on ones and you're going ones on twos, uh, it's Kenny Pickett. It's Kenneth Walker. They're, they're not rotating, you know, the quarterback in those right. drills. Now, surely – in warm-ups or in individual drills or throwing drills, things of that nature, you know, Patty has thrown to Addison. Patty has thrown uh, to, to these receivers and Kroll and the great tight ends. So there is that familiarity there, but in a game situation, in a live bullet situation, uh, he hasn't had many and he hasn't had great opportunity with these guys. So it is going to be interesting to see, not that it's rust, but it, is it something where there's just something going on, and there's something falling through where, okay, Kenny would have made that throw. Kenny would have been able yeah. to do that, and I'm sure we'll see it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about maybe the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft, so there's going to be significant drop-off, but is there enough of the team presence? Is there enough scheme? Is there enough get-us-in-good situations where it isn't as noticeable? That's what's going to be really key for Pittsburgh. 
Well, and you don't have Mark Whipple, who was your OC all year. So that's another factor. It's it's really, I think that's one of the more interesting parts. I know we'd much rather see Pickett and Walker play, but it's still a fascinating storyline to watch. And here's the other thing. Pitt's bringing in Keaton Slovis. That's been announced. I know he's not there, but you're bringing him in in the portal. So if you're Nick Patty and you don't have a good game, you're not off to a great start in terms of winning the job in 2022. So he has a lot to prove. This could be a springboard for him going into spring ball. And, and Mac, you mentioned the defense. Pitt, second nationally in sacks with 54. Michigan State, top 20 nationally, only allowing 18 sacks all season. If Michigan State can protect Peyton Thorne, then you feel like Michigan State's going to win this game. I, I think Pitt has to get after the quarterback. They have to be able to put Peyton Thorne on the ground, force a turnover or two to really be in this game against Michigan no, State. No, there's no question about that. I mean, Pitt, Pitt is going – they're a different monster, right? When, when you play a team like Pitt, if you're not used to it, if you haven't seen something similar, then it, it, it's going to be rough to prepare for, and Michigan State hasn't. These guys bring exotic looks. They have – you know, werewolves up on the, the defensive line and guys that will really get after it. So that that's why I keep mentioning this pit defense has to thrive. They have to make, you know, opportunities for this offense easier and get after the quarterback, maybe even score, maybe go get a pick six, maybe, you know, get a sack fumble and, and get going. But it, it is going to be a three-phase effort for Pittsburgh here. Um, and one thing to, to not remember is how bad Michigan State's pass defense is. Now, I think if Kenny was playing, certainly he would light him up. But this could be, you know, a nice little confidence booster for Patty and exactly what you just said, a, a nice kind of audition, if you will, for going into spring, going into next year, where he can be comfortable and feel like he's the guy. Say, hey, look, I want us a Peach Bowl. I, I had a great performance in the Peach Bowl. That's got to mean something. Um, so I, I can't wait. This is going to be a great matchup. I'm super excited. We're live. We're in person. It's, uh, it, it's going to be a great, great contest. Watch all that coverage on ACC Network tonight, the pregame show and then the postgame show on ACC Network. And look, here's the thing, too, with Patty. He still has the, the Boletnikoff winner in Jordan Addison. So he's got a weapon. It's up to him to utilize that weapon. Mac, should we make our pick on this game? Come on, KG. Let's make some seaside-grown, fresh picks, guys. Listen, it's bowl season. We are in the thick of it right now. There is a bunch of opportunity for home gating. We've got games on all day, every day. So let Seaside Grown help you get ready for game day, starting your home gate off right with Seaside's award-winning Bloody Mary mix. It's super simple, guys. Just add your spirit of choice. All the flavors, they're already there. No adding this or that necessary. Just pour, shake, garnet, drink, and then repeat all day long. And if you're looking for more than Bloody Mary Mix, there are 18 true field-to-glass seaside-grown products that are made from the fresh produce Seaside grows locally or from other American farms they partner with. These products are then bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility. By doing this, they provide unprecedented traceability for consumers. Go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products. When you load up your cart and are ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your order. That's acc 15 Save you some money. All right, Mac, let's pick the game. We're going to pick against the spread, look at that total, and I have a few prop bets for you. Pitt versus Michigan State. Michigan State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. How do we feel about this number? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's funny <laughs> to see how much it, it has moved and this game has moved, you know, when stars go out, when when a 
Kenny Pickett leaves? Because I think originally when we were you know, kind of setting up these schedules and looking at all this, I think Pitt was like a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so that's incredible. I mean, a seven-point swing. That, that is just nuts to see. I'm going I'm, – I'm leaning Pitt here. I'm taking Pitt outright. I'm taking Pitt with these numbers. And I think probably the under 56 will be a, an interesting yeah. number to see if they get over. Um, I think defense wins. I, I think grit. I think the fact that Coach Narduzzi – is from Michigan State. I think that emotion and passion is really going to be a bit of an X factor, if you will, for this game because um, he's going to want to win. He's going to want to beat these guys. But if you look historically, Pitt's never done it. They've never beat Michigan State. I think they're 0-6-1 and or something of that nature. So it might even be worse. It might be 0-12. I can't remember. It's something terrible. Um, so with that, history not on your side, but I think this Pitt defense is for real. I think they bottle up Michigan State get some turnovers, make some things interesting, and uh, get this game going. Oh, Mac, I want to believe in Pitt. I want Pitt to be able to get this done. And if they had Kenny Pickett, they would. But it's hard for me to believe that. And look, I agree that Pickett has had some great weapons around him this year, but it's hard for me to believe that you're just going to be able to plug in Nick Patty and you're going to be able to score the football like you had. Now, I think the Pitt defense is going to show up. I completely am with you on that. But without Pickett, I can't bring myself to take Pitt. The number, two and a half, is fascinating because I do think this game's going to be gritty, ugly, low scoring. I would definitely take the under. If I'm taking Michigan State to win, I'd probably say Michigan State minus two and a half. I could see them winning this game by a field goal. I still think it's going to be close. But I'm going to take Michigan State when it's said and done. How about this prop bet here, Eric McLean? Is it more likely that... I'm talking about the backups here, that Nick Patty passes for more than 200 yards or Jordan Simmons, the backup running back for Michigan State, rushes for 100 or more yards, which is more likely. Oh, yeah, this is easy. I mean, Patty throwing over 200. And the reason why this is easy, because you just look at who they're going against. You look at the defense. Nobody from Pitt's defense that is stopping the run. I know Dabari Mathis is not playing, but nobody's stopping the run isn't available. These guys are going to lock down the run game for Michigan State. They're going to hit them in the mouth. They're going to be very physical. I don't know if Kenneth Walker would be able to break 100. I think that that is how good this Pitt defense is. And then you look on the exact opposite side, the Michigan State pass defense is so bad that even a backup in Nick Patty could throw for over 200 yards. So I, I think that's going to have a big deal and a big reason of why Pitt wins. So I'm going more likely Patty 200 plus. I see your reasoning there. And yes, the Michigan State pass defense is not great. I still don't have that much faith in Nick Patty. And look, I would love to be proved wrong. I mean, prove me wrong. But with Pitt's rush defense and, you know, with how special Kenneth Walker is, I think it's going to be easier for a Pitt quarterback with someone like Jordan Addison to throw the ball to to get over 200 than for Jordan Simmons, who has 50 attempts all year, to rush for 100. So I'll go with Patty there, Mac. I'll go with Patty. This is the prop bet that could decide this game, I think. Can Pitt get after the quarterback? They're second nationally in sacks. Michigan State has only allowed 18 sacks on the season. That's very good. Pitt sacks over under three and a half. This is really tough. When you, when you look at the Wake Forest game, you know they only had five sacks only. Uh, but it felt like they were just hitting Sam Hartman over and over and over and getting in the backfield. Peyton Thorne is athletic. I think Sam Hartman is more athletic. So with that in mind, I think if Pitt is able to get close, I think they get them. Uh, So I'm going to go the over here. I think they get four. I think they really do because 
that's kind of going hand in hand of how I think Pittsburgh is going to win. They just have to dominate defensively and getting four plus sacks. That that's that's what they do. Because I'm picking Michigan State, this is where I think the game is decided. I'm going to go under. I could still see Pitt getting three sacks, but over that, getting four, putting Peyton Thorne on the ground four times with how good this Michigan State offensive line is, the fact they've only allowed 18 all year, I'm going to say under. Now, I think if Pitt goes over this mark, they probably end up winning the game. Like, that's a big difference, especially if there's a forced fumble in there or something. But I'm going to go under, Mac. I, I think Sparty gets it done. You know what? You're not invited to the Pitt Clubhouse anymore. You're out. Oh You're gone. man! I'm just kidding. I'm I don't get kidding. to come to the Pitt after party because that's after Mac, party. You, you'll be there, right? That's in right. Atlanta? And maybe Kenny Pickett will be here. He'll be, you know, buying stuff for everybody. So we'll see. It'll be interesting <laughs> if that uh, if that advance kick through or not yet. So guys, right. it's going to be a fun, fun game. Check it out tonight. Uh, it's it's going to be fantastic. Michigan State Pitt. Uh, for all the marbles, for the Narduzzi Bowl, if you will. Can't wait to see it. Thank you all for For all listening. the peaches. That's right, all the peaches. Endless lifetime supply of peaches. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Do you know Georgia is called the peach state, but the number one producer of peaches, South Carolina, our home. Come on, baby. And the number one state with the most peach water towers, South Carolina. Shout out Gaffney. <laughs> Guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Another great episode of Gramlick and MacLane brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.